0: This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at bethesdachurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. needs to help Darth Vader breathe, I'm telling you, amen, it's so good to see you in God's house today, are you guys glad to be in-house today, amen, what a wonderful place to be, Um, I want to take just a minute, because I've had a couple people ask me, why are you not plugging your own book, Um, so I'm going to take just a minute to plug the book, if you haven't picked it up, it is in our bookstore, it's available, Um, if you call Bethesda Church home, I promise you, this book will probably help you, Uh, have a greater appreciation for all that God has done in and through the church, but also how this church has impacted our world. Um, If you're new to Bethesda Church, it'll give you some context and help you to dream big dreams, even in a small place. How many know that God is still doing the impossible? Amen. If you believe that, give God a hand clap right there. He's still doing the impossible so it'll help your marriage, it'll help your family, your business, your job, your ministry. I believe it'll help you to dream bigger dreams for all those areas. Um, let's get to work. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series entitled, When Hell Freezes Over. Um, I contemplated, should I use that title or not? Because some religious people will probably email me, why why, why are you cussing while you preach? Um, but we've all heard the phrase, or used the phrase, and I'm definitely not cussing today, but... Uh, I think sometimes we forget that God can do the supernatural, and that He still performs miracles. Um, and as we jumped into the series, we talked about in week number one God's ability to protect, to intervene, to step in, to provide a refuge, to protect us. Sometimes, even when we uh, can't see how He's protecting us, how I many of God protects you in ways you can't even see? Um, and we, we don't even notice it or understand it. Today I want to talk to you about miracles of provision, miracles of provision. Now, miracle is a term or a word that has been watered down, and I don't think we really grab a hold of the magnitude of miracle, Uh, but the word miracle means when the God of heaven intervenes in the earth. In other words, it's when God does something that you can't explain or articulate or even reason for that matter. Um, God steps into our situation and he does something that can only be explained as God did that. Has anybody ever had God step in and do something that you had to stand back and say, only God could have done that? And and so God performs miracles and, and he does perform miracles of provision. The word provision, if you were to look it up, there's a bunch of meanings for the word provision. Um, but basically it means that Um, Your need is being prepared for ahead of time. That's what provision means. It means that the supply is there before you even need it. Um, And so if you, you take miracles of provision and you put it together, it simply means that God has the ability to intervene by arranging and preparing beforehand Everything that you are going to need. That's a long way of saying that before you ever had a need, God already had an answer. That before you ever had a problem, God already had a solution. And so if we're being real honest, when we hear the word provision, some of us, we, we think in terms of finances, our supply, our income. Um, and that's, that, that's true. Provision is financial. And in the culture in which we live, especially given the last year, A lot of people, for them, money is extremely tight. Uh, For instance, you may have someone that's here today that maybe it's a single mom trying to raise three or four kids, Uh, and a lot of times it feels to them like there's more month than there is money. Or you could take another person who has a great income, but they have high expenses. They got a mortgage, a car payment, student loan, medical loan, Um, getting them through school. they're, They're paying for their kids' education. They got activities they're paying for. So even though they have a high income, they have high expenses. And so it can feel as if money is tight. For some of us, it's because we went to the fair over the weekend, and now we're trying to figure out if we can get a personal loan that will pay off everything that we ate while in the fair. Come on, somebody. Like Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Um, but money can be a sensitive subject, um, and, and it can be tight as well. And so what I want to do today is encourage you that our God is still your provider, I know that we're looking at our job, we're looking at our place of employment, we're looking at the bills we have, and we look at all that and we wonder sometimes where is God as it relates to provision, but before you leave this place today, I want you to know without a doubt, no hesitation whatsoever, that our God is the Lord who provides. Let's give a praise right in advance before we even hear this. He is the God who provides. Now, Watch this, and, and this is the first point, and then I'm gonna give you three principles of, of, of provision today. But in every story of need, there is a there is also the miracle of provision. All throughout scripture, we see stories of need where God provided. And it didn't matter if it was on a hillside with thousands of people and the disciples coming to Jesus, asking him, what are we to do with all these people? Jesus gave a very simple answer. He said, You feed them. The disciples were blown away by Jesus' response and they said, All we have is a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. How are we going to make this happen? But we know the story. They got the little boy's lunch. Jesus blessed it, he multiplied it, he provided for everyone to the tune of. 12 baskets of leftovers and and you may ask why 12 baskets of leftovers I believe it's because there's 12 disciples and he wanted to remind the disciples with their little doggy bag of leftovers that our God provides our God has the ability to miraculously provide everything that we need in the Old Testament we read about the prophet Elisha who was talking to a widow and she was scared for the future she didn't know if she had enough. And the prophet asked her, he said, what do you have? And she said, I don't think I got much at all, but I do have a small jar of olive oil. And he asked her, he said, I want you to pour some of that in the containers. And watch this, as long as she had a container to pour it in, the oil never ran out. God miraculously provided for her. He multiplied it, whether it's bread from heaven, whether it's meat delivered by a bird, whether it's a giant fish that rescues a rebellious prophet by the name of, of Jonah, that in every story of need, we see that God has the ability to miraculously provide for us. Let's take another praise break. If you believe God can provide for every need, for your kids' education, for their college, for that mortgage, for that car payment, God has your provision. He is the Lord that provides. Now to set this up, I do want to tell you a story, and some of you probably heard this, but it's about a woman who, um, she loved Jesus and with all of her heart, had a lot of faith in God, um, but she was a, a single mom trying to make it, and she would go out in the evenings and she would pray on her porch loud enough that all the neighbors could hear her pray. And she she would say things like, Jesus, I know you will provide for my family. I know that you will meet our needs. And she would confess the promises of God. And the neighbors would, would overhear her praying, and, but there was this one neighbor who utterly hated God. And he hated God her prayer time. He hated hearing her out there talking to Jesus. So much so that one day as she was praying for God to provide for her family, that he thought to himself, I'm going to show her once and for all that God isn't real. I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy her groceries for her. And so he went to the store, he bought three bags of groceries, he delivered them Placed them on the front porch and then hid in the bushes to wait and see what she would do when she saw the groceries. And as the story goes, she comes out, sees the groceries, throws her hands in the air, starts praising God for the provision, and this Joker jumps out from the bushes and says, God, did not provide for you, God is not good, I bought those groceries, and she praised even more, and she said, Jesus, you're even better than I thought, because not only did you provide for me, but you made the devil bring them and buy them." Come on, somebody. God will provide. He will provide, even if he's gotta make the devil do it for you. And so with that, Philippians 4.19, very familiar passage, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God is the giver of all good things. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from him, from above. And yet, before we dive into the idea of God providing for us, even on a miraculous level, we have to acknowledge what we just read in Scripture. And it's this, God promises to meet our needs. He never promised to meet our wants. And there's a big difference between what I need and what I want. We want a lot of things. For example, we need clothes. I'm glad y'all clothed today. We need clothes, but some of us, we, we don't just, you know, need clothes. We want the best clothes, right? We, we need rest, but we want 14, 21 days in an all-inclusive resort overlooking blue water, right? We, we, we need something, but we want something a little more. We, we need a house, but we want one that has been designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know what I'm saying? There, there are di- there's a difference between what we need and what we want, and, and so they are not always the same thing. And so I'm gonna give you three principles of God's miraculous provision, point one is when God guides, he always provides. And man, I I want you to let that sink in. When God guides, he always provides. If he's the one guiding you, if he's the one telling you to do what you're doing with your life, he will provide for every need you have. Isaiah 58 and 11 says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. In other words, God is saying, even if all around you, it's barren and it looks depleted. God says, if you are following me, if I am the one guiding you, I will provide for you even when everything else is barren. When I walk in sync with God's will for my life, he has promised to provide. And that should be encouragement for the person that is here today, wondering how you're going to pay for college or wondering how you're going to get through school or how you're going to pay that medical bill. If we are, The Bible says if we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land, which means if I'm walking in step with God, he will provide for me. He will. How many? Somebody may need God to supernaturally cancel some debt in your life. How many of God can do some supernatural things? He can get involved on a level that you don't even see coming. And so we got to trust God and understand that when he guides, he also provides. Some of you may think, God, where are you as it relates to provision? I've got a mortgage payment, got car payment. They're due at the same time. I've planned this awesome vacation because the Holy Spirit told me to book it, even though I don't know how to pay for it. Um, A lot of times we do things, and I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, and, and I believe take good vacations. Go, go and do what you can do. If God has blessed you, do it. I, I believe that you should work hard and, and play hard. I, I'm a firm believer in it. Um, but how many of you understand that when it, when it comes to provision, sometimes we make foolish decisions. And I think sometimes God has provided for our needs, but we have taken the provision and spent it on our wants. And so God is, is not about giving us a, a get-out-of-jail-free card for all the dumb decisions we make. Y'all were clapping earlier when I said he's going to provide. He is going to provide, I promise. He's going to do that, but he's not a get-out-of-jail-free card that I can just waste and mismanage and take the provision for my needs and spend it on my wants, and then complain. God wants to bring the church, specifically those that are really following Christ, back to a place where we understand the promises of God and where those promises flow from. And I don't think there's a better picture of it throughout the Bible than the picture of a man by the name of Abraham. Now, some of you remember the story of Abraham because you sang the song. Growing up in church, did anybody else other than me sing Father Abraham until you spun around until you, you passed out, right? Father, y'all know that song. Don't make me sing it, I will. Not really. Um, but, but Abraham had this call of God on his life that he would be a father of, the father of many nations. And the, the way this was going to come to pass would be through a son that he and his wife Sarah had been waiting and praying for. And it, this went on year after year, decade after decade. They were waiting and praying, waiting and praying, until one day they finally became pregnant and eventually gave birth to Isaac. And this is they named him Isaac, and, and God then puts Abraham to the test with the very promise that he had just given him. And God tells Abraham, he said, I want you to take the promised son that I've given you. This is the way you're going to become the father of many nations. I want you to take the promise up on a mountain, and I want you to worship me by sacrificing Isaac. Now, I don't know how, how you picture all that, but I can't imagine praying and waiting for a son for 25 years or so and finally getting it. And then God's saying, I want you to lay the boy, the promise, on the altar and sacrifice him. I can't imagine as Abraham was walking up the mountain and he had the, the wood and the things to build a fire and he had the knife and he had his son walking up the mountain to worship God. He's carrying the wood. He's carrying, he knows what's about to happen. And Isaac had watched his dad worship God in this way many times, actually asked Abraham, his father, he said, Dad, I see the wood, I I see the stuff for the sacrifice, but Dad, where is the sacrifice? And in Genesis 22, 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb. I don't know who needs to be encouraged by what Father Abraham said here, but God Himself will provide the Lamb. God Himself will provide the provision. Where He guides, He always provides. And so they're going up the mountain, they build an altar. And courageously, Abraham is faithfully walking this out. He ties his son down to the altar. He lifts his knife, ready to do it. And you say, I can't even believe he would do this. I can't understand how he would do this. But you have to understand that our faith moves the hand of God. You say, well, that ain't faith. That sounds crazy. Why would anyone do that? Well, the New Testament answers the question. Abraham knew that even if he had to kill Isaac in worship to God, that God would have to resurrect his son from the dead because the promise lied in the son Isaac. Come on, somebody. This, the, Abraham knew something that we can't always see. And so he, he lifts the knife. He's ready to do it. And an angel appears and says, Don't lay a hand on the boy because I know that you fear God. And in Genesis 22 13 and 14, here's what it says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Abraham learned a very valuable lesson that day that no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how my finances look, no matter what I need God to do, he is the God who provides. And I believe that the reason he figured this out is because Abraham was fixated on the will of God, fixated on God's plan. And I think instead of being fixated on God's plan, a lot of times we get fixated on our lack. So we're not focusing on God's plan and God's will. We're focusing on where we have come up short. We're focusing on what we don't have. And when we focus on what we don't have, we start seeing God through a perspective as if he's unfaithful. But I need to remind some people that are asking today, is God faithful? I want to remind you, God is faithful faithful. If he's guiding you, he will provide for you. There's not a need that will come up in your life that God has not already arranged to meet for you and I. He's already made provision for us. He's guiding you. He's providing. Number two, God miraculously multiplies what is given. This is a miracle in, in and of itself of how God works. Sometimes God does it all by himself. We've all had those moments where God didn't need us to participate or anything. He just did something. And we stood back in amazement as God did it. Sometimes it's rescuing a Jonah, and it was nothing to do with Jonah, it was all God. Or the Israelites starving to death in the wilderness, and God creates a Panera bread in heaven and rains down bagels wasn't bagels, but close enough, right? But he, he rains down food, and they had nothing to do. It was just all God. But sometimes God doesn't do it by himself. God wants you to participate because he wants to build your faith. Sometimes God invites us to be a part of the miracle. And that's a cool thing when God does this. You say, well, how does he do it? Well, God, God helps us to grow in our relationship with him, and to participate in the miracle by asking us to give and to sow. And it doesn't matter if you're talking money, time, energy, a word of encouragement. The Bible's very clear that you reap what you sow. Um, And it's real important to understand this. He wants to miraculously multiply Whatever it is, you give. Just like the widow we talked about earlier who poured out the oil. The question is, is, when did the multiplication take place? The multiplication didn't happen until she poured what she had. The loaves and the fish that fed thousands of people, the miracle occurred. It did not occur until after the little boy had given his lunch. It was the miracle happened as they participated, as they gave, as they stepped out in faith. And so it's so important that we understand our part. And I don't want you to hear this through the lens of, you know, the prosperity theology. Well, he's preaching prosperity gospel. And that means if I sow a hundred bucks today that my Nissan is going to turn into a Mercedes G-Wagon. That's not what I'm preaching today. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, If that happens today, you should take a picture, post it on Instagram. You're going to get a lot of likes. But that ain't happening. Are y'all here? See, you talk about money. You see how everybody just lower and lower. So important. Watch this. God wants to multiply what we give. He wants to multiply what is given. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, this generous, generous God supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals. Is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. That's in your Bible. He multiplies the seed as you sow it. Say that with me. Say that, as you sow it. One more time, as you sow it. So the miracle doesn't happen, the multiplication doesn't happen before I sow it, it happens as I sow it. If the miracle happened before I sowed it, it would require zero faith to sow it. And the reason that is important is because faith is the only thing you and I have or possess or can demonstrate that actually impresses God. It was, it was when Jesus was, was uh, impressed in the Gospels, it was because someone demonstrated faith in a way that no one else was demonstrating, demonstrating faith. He would say things like, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Go and be healed. Pick up your mat and walk. I've never seen anything like, why? Because God doesn't respond to, our, to just our whining and our complaining about how bad things are. God responds when you and I step out in faith and some of us need to get out of the boat a little bit and trust God a little bit and he will show you himself not only as savior and healer, he'll show, you, show himself as your provider. Take 10 seconds, give him a praise if you believe he'll provide for you. He will absolutely provide for you. But you gotta participate. Many times we gotta participate. And one of the ways that God really gets involved in as it relates to finances is something that we call tithing. The Bible speaks of this subject called tithing. And I know I preach and teach on it usually every November but I'm gonna give you a couple minutes worth right here today, all right? Tithing is not for us. Tithing is for you. The tithe is 10% of our income. And listen, it is possible for you to give 10% of your income and still not tithe. Because it's not just 10%, it's the first 10%. And so it, it doesn't require faith to pay the mortgage company and, and by the way, your mortgage company doesn't have any power to bless you. Just th- that, that didn't cost y'all anything. Um, y- y- I'm going to pay the mortgage. I'm going to pay you know the tuition. I'm going to pay the car payment. I'm going to get my hair done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do A, B, and C. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to do A, B, and C. And if i got enough, I'll, I'll tithe. That's not a tithe. Tithe is the first 10%. And, and, and a lot of people are like, well, I just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Listen, you will, never, you will never experience the blessing of God, not just on your money, but on your family, on your health, on every part. It's the only thing we can do in Scripture where God guarantees, I'll step in myself and rebuke the devil on your behalf. You won't even have to rebuke him. I'll say you can't touch them. That's a, the tithe is a covenant promise. And it's not something that was limited to the Old Testament law. A lot of people, they don't read their Bible. They say tithing's law. No, tithing's not law. It happened 400 years before the law when Abraham brought the tithe to God, not, not out of obligation, but he brought it to God out of revelation that this is a covenant connector. And this is something that I have done. I grew up in a tither's home. My parents tithed on every dollar they ever made. And so when I got my first job at about age 16, I, I didn't know Jesus, but you know what I did? I brought the tithe. So I'm out here living like the devil, but on, on, on Sunday mornings, I was given a tithe. So I didn't even know, because I saw how God honored it. Karen and I are getting ready to, to um, celebrate 20 years of marriage And we have tithed on every dollar we've ever made. And and we are more blessed now than we've ever been. But I'm telling you that the tithe will open up the windows of heaven according to Malachi chapter 3. And God says, I will pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Because there is nothing that will demonstrate that you trust God more than when you trust God with your finances. One preacher said this. He said, there are three conversions that has to happen for every believer. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the pocketbook. And of these three, the conversion of the pocketbook is the hardest ones for for a lot of people to get over. But if you want to see God's hand provide for you in a way that you've never seen before, and, and let me go ahead and knock this religious cow out of the way. Tithing is not generosity. Never does the Bible say pay your tithes or give your tithe. It says bring it. You know why? It's God's already designated the first ten percent of your income as His. If if Pastor Josh gives me the keys to his car and says you can loan my car this week, and at the end of the week I I bring it back to him and say here's your car back. You're welcome. It's already his. Do you all understand what I'm saying? We're not doing God a favor by bringing the tithe. If we really want to get into as we sow, multiplication happens, it's after we've brought the tithe and now we step into generosity and now God says, I'll start multiplying what you, your tithe actually waters your seed. I don't have time to teach this. But it waters your seed. It protects your seed. That the tithe and the seed go together. That's why God says, don't rob me in tithe and offerings above and beyond the tithe. And so a lot of times we miss out on God. God wants you to participate in that miracle. And and here's the thing about Abraham and Isaac in this story. You say, "I, I don't really understand why God would ask him to do that. But you gotta know that they had a, Really close relationship because the New Testament tells us, Abraham knew even if I kill him, God's going to raise him up because this is the promise. There was faith there. And what I believe God was showing us is that Abraham had the kind of faith that he was going to withhold nothing. And until you're at a place that you 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 can say, God, I will withhold nothing from you, you probably are not ready to handle the weight of your calling. It's not until, because some of us, if we were to ask, do we, want, do we want the blessing or do we want the blesser? Some of us want the blessing more than we want the blesser. We want what God can do more than we want him. Ultimately, when God provides for us miraculously, it's not so we can shout and dance over the miracle or over the provision. It's so that we can know him in a greater dimension. Think about our church. I can remember when, and some of y'all, you've not been around long enough to know, but I can remember in the early days when we had to wait to see what came in on Sunday to see what bills we could pay. That's how tight it was. It was every week, God, help us get through another week. Help us, God. And I can remember in those seasons when God would speak to our church about being generous, support that missionary. I'm like, God, we need support like we we are the mission lord and he would tell us support this missionary or bless israel or Take, you know, take that minister from Africa out to dinner and buy everything he needs for his ministry or, or let's, let's give resources away and don't charge for them. Let's, let's start being generous. And, and listen, church, as I look around today and I look at everything God has done, there has not been a seed that we have ever sown as a church that God has not multiplied. And I think we should give him praise for every time he has multiplied something we have given. It hasn't always looked like this. Last point, you might be a part of God's miraculous provision. So when God provides, guides, he provides. God miraculously multiplies what is given. And number three, you might be a part of God's miraculous provision. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way. Say, why? So that I can have more? No, that's not what he says. He says you're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How often are we thinking in terms of, I hope somebody does something for me? instead of thinking in terms of what could I make happen for someone else. A couple times recently, and it's so cool to have this happen because I've done it in the past and some of you have done this, but I've been in the drive-thru a couple times lately and the person in front of me paid. I mean, I'm driving, I'm, and I'm like, I get up to the window, and they go, like, sir, they, it's already been paid for. I'm like, praise the Lord. You know what happens? I pay for the one behind me every single time. Every single, I'm like, okay, what? Let me. Mine may have been four dollars and twenty three cents, and theirs may may have been twenty seven. But how many? You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Um, when I when I think about everything God does and how He uses us to participate, I think about how many of you you bring your tithe regularly every week. And not only how God honors that for, in your life, but how God, how God honors that here. And some of you, you go way above bringing a tithe. You give generously on top of it. That's how we have facilities like this and able to do ministry. on. It's because of your generosity that we're able to do what we're able to do. But, but sometimes you don't get to hear the stories of life change that are happening. And we got to do a better job of telling you those stories. But last week I met a lady who had been watching services uh, from Charlottesville, Virginia, for four or five weeks in a row, loved it so much that when they heard the announcement about Family Day, guess what they did last Sunday? They got up, her and her little boy, and they drove two plus hours to be here for a church service and enjoy Family Day because of your giving. The countless marriages that have been put back together. Man, I could go down lists. I could give you so many examples. of, And sometimes you don't get to hear about the healing or the miracle or what, how God put a family back together. But God always multiplies what is given, and he wants us to participate in what he's doing. Wherever there's a need in Scripture, God provides. And you may say, well, Pastor, that all sounds good, but what if I don't have enough? What if I can't? make a difference? And I I think that those questions are the difference between fear and faith because fear asks, what if I run out? Faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford to tithe. Faith says, 90% with God's blessing is better and goes further than 100% without. Faith says, I don't have enough. Fear says, my God is more than enough. He is the God that provides. I'm gonna close out with this story. It's a story of a missionary from England named Helen, let me get the name right, Rosenvere. And she was a medical missionary um, from England who was serving in Zaire, Africa, a very primitive place. They did not have a lot of supplies or resources, but it was kind of a camp set up in this village to minister to the needs of the people there. And one night, as they were meeting the needs of the people, there came in a lady who was obviously pregnant and she was ready to deliver this baby. And they go through the process of her delivering this baby and they're in the middle of nowhere, uh, very limited resources. And the the pregnancy, the, the delivery goes horribly bad. And the mother ends up dying in the process. And so we, they got an immature or a premature child, and the mom also had a two-year-old little girl. So she's left behind the two-year-old and a premature baby, and they did not have incubators and the resources they need needed to take care of the premature baby. And they had one water bottle, because the, the thing uh, that they needed the most was that the baby's body temperature would stay high enough that it would not drop. They had one hot water bottle in the entire camp. And she went in in haste to get this bottle filled up because she was so um, worried about the the baby's body temperature. And she goes and she fills it up. She's running, but the hot water bottle burst. And now she's scared to death this baby's not going to make it through the night. So they do everything they can. They wrap her in blankets, and they get her within proximity of the campfire as close as they can and it still be safe. And they're doing taking all these measures and then Helen's relief comes. Her shift was over. Someone else was stepping in and she went off to the part of the camp where she would read and pray and spend time with God and it was also the place where all the orphans from around there would come and hang out with Helen. They loved hanging out with her. And Helen was so worried about this baby that she told those orphans, she said, Guys, we really need to pray for this baby because if God doesn't do something, I I can't see that the baby will make it through the night. But there was a little girl there who was nine years old. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth did what a lot of kids do sometimes. She prayed a bold and immediate prayer. Sometimes us adults can take a lesson from the kids. Here's Ruth's prayer, the nine-year-old. She said, God... We need you to send a hot water bottle today. Not tomorrow, it won't help us, God. The baby will die if you send it tomorrow. We need it today. And God, while you're at it, could you send a baby doll to remind the two-year-old little girl that even though her mom is gone, that you still love her. That was her prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Helen cringed as this nine-year-old prayed the prayer because Helen knew for that to happen, meant that a package would have to be delivered, and she had not received a package in five years. A couple of hours go by, and she gets a message that you have received a package. She's blown away, number one, that a package actually arrived, and as she gathered the orphans around to open this package, they're digging through it, and, and out comes some clothes and raisins, which was her favorite snack, some chocolate, some bandages, and about halfway through, there was a hot water bottle in this package, and she thought to herself, who sends a hot water bottle to the equator? I mean, who does that? And she's so in shock that while she's trying to come to grips with what's in the package, Ruth, the little girl who prayed the prayer, she dove into the rest of the package and found in the bottom a little baby doll in a blue dress. Her prayer was answered exactly the way she prayed it. Now here's the real kicker. She turned the box over to look at when this had been mailed to them and the postage date was set for five months before. And she got it that day. And it was at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to her, Isaiah 65, 24. And it says, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Your God is so capable that he answers prayers many times before you even pray them and he provides your provision for you before the need ever arises. That just as Abraham was walking up one side of the mountain to lay the sacrifice, his son, down, God had a ram walking up the other side of the mountain to meet him at the point of need. And some of you have been wondering, how is God going to do it? And where, where is it going to come from? I want to encourage you that before you had a need, God had already seen your provision he is the Lord that provides come on stand to your feet take about 10 seconds and give him a praise that he is the God that provides he is the God that provides come on slap 3 or 4 people a high five and tell them he will provide somebody needs that encouragement today he will provide I don't care if it's a car payment, a house payment, a college tuition, a medical bill. Somebody just needs to know your God is a provider. And maybe you've known him as Savior. Maybe you've known him as the one who heals. But maybe in this moment you need to know him as your provider. I have watched God provide for me and my family over the years in so many supernatural ways and I've watched him provide for this church in so many supernatural ways and I would love nothing more than you to know God as your provider. Listen, don't get it, don't get it twisted. It's not your place of employment. It's not the boss man. It's not how good you are. God has the ability to bless you and provide for you in ways like you have never known. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Speaking of provision, you and I, we come into the world needing a Savior. And the way God provides is that He provides before we have a need. So He sent His Son to die in our place before you ever showed up. So the answer to what you needed has already been provided. Jesus has already made a way. So whether you're watching online or you're sitting in this room today, standing in this room, maybe it's you that says, Pastor, I need Jesus to save me. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. If that's where you're at today and you say, I I want to leave this place differently than I came in. I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. I want to be saved. I need my sins forgiven anyone at all I'm not going to embarrass you anyone at all before we pray those of you watching online we would love to clue you in or let you in on this process as well you may be sitting behind a computer screen right now and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart I want every every voice to be lifted as we pray this together say dear heavenly father I come to you in the name of Jesus I'm a sinner I've committed sins I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand clap this morning. Those that are taking that step of faith, putting their confidence and trust in Jesus. Prayer team, Please come forward, staff. Please come forward. We're going to open up these altars during this last worship song. Don't miss out on an opportunity for God to meet you. We're here to pray with you and for you. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.